0: Hello and welcome to This Just Is, I am Ian, you are you, you are here, we're doing this. I hope that all is well in your world, all things considered, that you're finding some moments of peace and quiet amongst the very trying 2020 that we're experiencing. But I have a breath of fresh air for everyone. I have an incredibly interesting guest today, his name is Grant Matos, he's a former NFL player. Who is now living in Los Angeles and working as a yoga instructor, and really a health and wellness instructor slash guru. Uh, He does a ton of guided meditations online. If you just search Grant Matos, you'll find him on Instagram. They're really, really good, and, and he's excellent at what he does. He's had an incredible journey, and we cover a bunch of stuff from toxic modern masculinity to living the life you feel others want you to live versus the life you want to live, We talk about his time in the NFL, what it was like to hit rock bottom, rebuilding his life to where he is now. And for all you reality TV buffs out there, we go in depth about his time on Survivor, uh, which sounded just completely wild. You'll hear just how wonderfully kind-hearted, insightful, and grateful he is. It's refreshing and inspiring to speak with someone living so closely to their true essence being who they are, and enjoying the ride. So here he is, the very dynamic, Grant Matos. And away we go.
1: And away we go! Gosh, so much to talk about, so many things to talk about.
0: Where do we start? Well, I definitely think that we should certainly start with at least a brief, sort of summation of your background just because it is so varied and interesting and kind of what led you to what you're up to now and you know your time as a professional athlete and what you know all the things that kind of led up to that and what you're doing now and and what led you to it and we can kind of just take off from there just dive in
1: okay um well yeah as you as you mentioned uh, first of all thank you for having me on here of course Um, i i I love being able to chat with like-minded individuals and about you know all the things we talked about over the phone and 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 um, how uh, the I, the conversations that we're having are not normal conversations. I hope they are more so in the future, where men and just humanity as a whole can have these open conversations and tap into you know the emotional aspect of things and have a balanced life. But um, from the feminine and masculine standpoint, um, but yeah, my journey started as uh, I, I got into football sport. Um, it was a way for my father and I, or to have a connection with my father. He left, um, when I was around eight. And so I have two brothers, one younger, one older, my older brother, he was the, uh, the all the attention went to him cause he was going to be the one to, you know, be this great football star. It was my dad's dream to play in the NFL. Right. So long story short, my brother, he was, uh, he was a creative. He was very into music. My dad didn't know anything about that world. So he's an outcast now, right? <laughs> that brother's an outcast. I slip into that role as the next in line to make this beautiful dream of his come true. And as a kid, that was just my, my um, thinking around it was, I, I don't care what it is. I'm just spending time with this male figure who I look up to and I idolize. And um, so I took that to a level somewhere along the way of from eight years old, all the way to you know 21 when the dream actually came true somewhere along the way it became mine mm-hmm. um i thought it became mine and so it was my identity it became everything it became literally my identity my my entire world you know as most occupations i think we uh, touched on over the phone we can get so wrapped up in our occupations of this is who i am and without it we never think about who we are actually without it in our life right and so um I took that as as far as you, as, as one can possibly take it. I I, I I made it my entire life, my entire being. I lived and breathed it. Um, and then I got to a place when I was um, at USC. Um, Pete Carroll had brought me in uh, from a junior college. And it was at the end of those two years after USC where I was like, God, what am I doing? Because it became very political, the entire experience. It was very political in that... It was more on the business side of things. Winning games equals we get more money um, for the school. Not very, not so much for you as the player. But um, so whoever's performing is who's the attention's going to go to. Um, and I was slowly the, the 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 glitter and the glam around the sport itself just became less and less and less and less. And I didn't really. I was having these conversations with myself of like, what if? Wh- who am I without this? game in my life. And I was dipping my toe in the water, but I was terrified immediately, so I would constantly take it back. I was like, no, no, no. I have to see this through. Luckily, we had a really great year at the end of um, my last year at USC. Um, Carson Palmer, Troy, Troy Polamalu, all these great names. So it, it, it attracted the entire NFL to our pro day. And so I'm like, well, you know what? Because um, I had planned on after USC, I'm like, all right, maybe this, maybe this, this, this dream is not meant to come true. And something's like, you're really good at workouts, the workout that these pro places give, just give it a try. Um, last, If it doesn't go well, it doesn't go well. And then we'll figure everything out after that. And I did, I did really well. And one coach, uh, Marty Schottenheimer from the Chargers came up to me and said like, I think you have something special and I wanna give you a chance to to make the team. I can't, I can't promise I'm gonna draft you. And I was like, wow, okay, great, dream come true. Um, let's fulfill the rest of this. I've come this far, you know, nearly two decades. Let's, let's, let's make it happen. And then it was great. The first year was great. It was really hard, but it was great. Um, and I thought, oh my God, you know what? The, 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 uh, the mental strength and mind power that came from, I actually did something that I, I, I went out to achieve over a long period of time and I did it. I accomplished that. But the unfortunate thing was, I didn't have any plans after <laughs> accomplishing it. There was no, like, when you get here, right, great. Now we're going to do, you know, the All Pro, all, all these accolades and stuff. There was nothing. So it became very much an empty prophecy in that there, I wasn't reaching for anything else. It was like, yeah, you made it. Okay, now what? Mm-hmm. And so that's essentially what the career ended up being, just bouncing from you know, team to team to team, traveling this and that, and asking the whole time, like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Meanwhile, the relationship with my father never came to fruition like I had hoped it would. In fact, it, it did the opposite. I, was, I had pushed him away, um, I mean, just until recently, you know, in the last few years in, in dissecting all of this. So the, the the final chapter of that of the NFL, the sporting aspect of, of my life, came in... Um, the Oakland Raiders, they said, hey, we want you to come in for a workout um, and bring you into camp, possibly training camp. And I said, OK, great. I, I hadn't been working out for like six months. I hadn't stayed in shape or anything. I was in fact, I was bartending at the time because I didn't I didn't ha- really have anything else to do. I was like, I need to keep money coming in. And I, I, I always knew I could do great at those workouts. I did great. And uh, they said, we want you to come back in two weeks. We start training camp. And I'm like. Sitting there, I, I'm sitting there in the locker room and like every, there's so many people that are like, yeah, go, you can like, this is the dream of a lifetime. You got to take it. You got to take it. But after five years of bouncing around and my body literally was just aching, 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 aching because of all the, the I knew the regimen now was if I go to camp, I'm going to have to start taking pills again to, to numb this pain. I knew the work that was going to take to actually make this happen. And I was just like, I'm not up for it. I'm not up for it. And now I felt like I reclaimed a lot of my power because I said, now it's not a, a thing of me, you know, like begging and saying, please take me, please. take, take, take. I was now saying, no, I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. And I, as excited as I was in that moment, you know, my agent, my former uh, agent goes, you know, this might probably be the last time that you ever get a chance to make this happened i'm like totally i'm fine i'm I'm okay with that and then boom chapter closes, and for like a week it was great i'm like I feel so liberated there's a you know lightness, and then it really hit like the, the reality of what was what's going on and all the stuff that I'd shoved away shoved away for you know years and years and years and years you know this really wasn't about you making this a dream happen in your father's relationship this it was too much for me to handle so I disappeared I um I uh, I was in a toxic relationship at the time the the woman I was dating was living in Vegas and I traveled out to Vegas and for 2 years I just I disappeared I literally put my head in the sand I found one place in the United States, well, of many, I'm sure, but one place for sure that you can disappear to, no one's gonna really come looking for you in Las Vegas. And um, and that's what I did. I went from, you know, the last team I was actually with, the Titans, a year prior playing in, you know, stadiums and, you know, and doing what apparently that I love to do to now I was working as a, you know, in a strip club. I was bartending in a strip club <laughs> in Las Vegas. The contrast of that my conscious mind d- d- couldn't make sense of it. It was constantly like this. There was that thought process of you sh- this, shouldn't this shouldn't be happening. This shouldn't be happening. This shouldn't be happening. This shouldn't be happening. This should constantly, every single day. Um, there was no routine. There was no regimen. There was nothing. It was just constant negativity, negativity on top of it. Like just tidal waves of it, tidal waves of it. And I thought, and in my mind, I was 26. I said, well, this is, maybe this is just what this is just what life is. It, is, is the the example i had of a married couple for the brief moment that my parents were married um the relationship i was in was very similar to that i was just like well this is just what relationships are not really always happy all the time and um it's it's um i know it probably it doesn't feel right um but you know what you grind through you just push through without ever questioning is this what i really want and so for um for those two years, it was literally just a case of, dry. I mean, the alcohol, the drugs, and everything just dragging along the bottom. And it got to a point where she said, you know what, uh, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I forced the issue, and she says, um, you, you can't stay here with me anymore, and I was that was a relief too, because I needed somebody at that time. My self-esteem was so low to just, like, give me a kick out the door, and... My mindset, looking back now, is really wild to think. But I was okay at the idea of you know maybe I'll just I'll just stay in my car or maybe I'll just be on the streets. It, I don't really care. I'd cut everybody out of my life except for one friend. Um, for those for those years, I didn't have any family to say like oh yeah come stay with me. It was it was nothing like that. It was just this is okay. This is the path. Maybe this is supposed to be what it is. And luckily, I mean as. As fate would have it, uh, one morning after, uh, you know, two days, after I had been kicked out of the one place I had to live, two days of just uh, some friends had come into town that I played with. And this was the other thing. I would have friends visit that were still playing in the NFL, and it was just like this constant, like, I...
0: You're living, you know, in, two, that, living I mean, in two worlds, kind of.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Two worlds constantly going and, and not knowing which is the right one. But anyway, long and short to, to, um, just pulled a, a string of, uh, of all nighters. And then I was sitting in my car. I, I don't really remember the specifics of it, but when I came to the phone I had was ringing and I picked it up and it was this one friend, it was like seven in the morning. He had really no reason to call other than after the fact, I asked him, I said, why did you call me that morning? Um, he's like, I something, something inside me told me to call you. And he asked me what I was doing. I, bre- I explained, I just spilled everything of what had just happened over the last week. And, uh, he said, you have your car still, right? I said, yes. He says, drive to L.A. You just stay on my floor at my bachelor bed. Just drive I'm like, that sounds great. I, I don't have any money to do that, though. I literally, like, don't have any money. <laughs> and he says, I'll wire you some. Do you have a card? And I went, yes. And I reached for my wallet, and it I was not there. And I said, no, <laughs> I don't. Somewhere in this two-day, all-night journey, it had gone missing. And he's like, oh, shit. Can you can you retrace your steps? I went back to one place. I had I was driving on fumes in my car, literally no gas. And I remember there was one place. I remember a flash in the night where I was in the parking lot of the um, the Win Hotel, and I remember being in the middle of this, the middle of the parking lot, just outstretched. Uh, I don't know why, um, but I thought, well, that, if any place, that's probably where I dropped it. So I, I went, go to the lost and found. 25 minutes later, this lady comes back up, flips me my wallet, and that's the ticket where I go like, okay, money, wired, gas, boom. And that point, when I entered, I mean, he just embraced me with love, and he, he literally nursed me back to a, some semblance of health in that I actually started to have enough self-confidence to go seek other avenues of what does it mean when, you're like, when you get to that point of what now? What tools do I use? to actually discover who i am on a deeper level than just the surface of outside looking in which was my whole life i get approval because somebody says something about me that i've done and that up until that point was my existence you matter because you do xyz and it was it was it was draining man what was so interesting about that too is we can go back and i mean i remember you saying you're a history buff this is this is nothing new right as far as this is this is what i do this is how i can help the community and i'm known for that and i get validation from that but say something strips it away i mean and and then we go further back than that this is what you know the 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 ancients in in india and egypt and in um asia they're all practicing the same thing of know that right like know yourself that's where the power lies not in the external and um I think it's so easily lost. And, and we're, 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 we're prime in the middle of it right now, right? It was like, what do I do? If I can't earn money, what do I do? Instead, like people are literally, we're putting dollars over people's lives right now. Got to get back to work. Why? We need to stimulate the economy. Okay, great. Yeah, but there's a raging pandemic happening right now. How else can we go about this? There must be another way to go about this. Uh, and it's no, 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 no. I mean, we could go on and on about it that i'm sure about the you know the history behind that yeah well um,
0: but i i do think that it's not necessarily it is symptomatic of of a greater issue right of of yeah yeah of people placing importance on things that really don't matter you know your your people especially those in charge are placing importance on uh, imaginary things i mean you know the only <laughs> thing that that's... really matters is the fact that you can breathe and that we're together Uh, but the government would have you believe the only value you have is if you have a job and if you have money. And the way that our system is set up, it proves that equation over and over again. So when you see that equation proved out, you go, yeah, I guess that is the way it is. But it doesn't have to be. And I think that's where you're getting a lot of people kind of saying, well, you guys can print trillions of dollars for companies, but you can't give me any money to kind of Float me over till this thing ends, you know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of interest such a such a broken system, and that the people that are that are telling you that it's not broken and that everything's fine are full of shit. Right. And it's sp- it speaks to a larger uh, thing I think related to what you're talking about of this external that things that are going to provide for you are all external. Um, right. But you have to right. provide you have to provide yourself. Um, right, you know, first, yeah, provide yourself first. first.
1: And and there's a great, it's a great quote, you know, I don't agree with all of the things that um, he he says, but uh, he made a really great point at Jim Carrey in saying that I wish everybody had this, you know, tremendous amount of money. So you realize happiness isn't through it,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right? That we keep continuously filling this vacuous void of like, when people see me in this, type of car i'm going to be viewed in a particular way but like you know after six months a year two years um that gets old and so it's the next thing to fill the next thing to fill and i'm all for it. have don't get me wrong have all the things right let's let's have all the things let's use this um paradigm for good versus the opposite have all of it but know that it doesn't define you and that it's not uh, they 're great to have, and, 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 and it's, but it's not the source of who you are, mm-hmm.
0: right yeah you
1: change all, yeah, change it out, have it have, have it let's go let's have all the stuff. I think that's really important because we need a lot of like minded people to have a lot of money so we can actually change this, right because in a matrix sort of way, these powers we all have can be used for good or for bad. I mean it's the oldest story in time, right yeah. Star
0: Wars yeah but the, yeah, the other thing too is that a lot of what. People, you know, people participating in in our society, especially in this country, might not even know that they're doing harm. They're right. just going about their day doing what they do just because they're being fed that that operating in a certain way is the is how you perpetuate wealth or perpetuate success. And that's right. what they're taught and that's how they're conditioned. So in a way, it's almost you, you can't blame people for no. uh, being indoctrinated into this sort of system of of finding your value. In material things or material wealth, and right, you know what's interesting about your story is, I mean, professional athletes are, and being a professional athlete, you think it's 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 money and it's profile and it's. But, you know, yeah. I know I know a little bit about being in the NFL, especially the, the way that you were in the NFL. It's not that's not how it was for you. You know, you were bouncing around and probably on, you know, getting cut and on practice squads and getting, you know, yeah. hot, you know, you know, league minimum contracts and all sorts of stuff. So it's like you're in this league. Everyone's telling you you're amazing and you're going like, well, I don't even know if I want to be here and I'm broke. So what, what am I doing? right there you know you know
1: it's interesting it's like even the practice squad money at first I, I worked up from the practice squad to the actual active roster and the the price difference you get from a weekly and one thing people don't know is you only make that contract money in the season yeah right so it's 16 weeks you're making money the rest you're supposed to budget it which you're not taught how to do anyway yeah so you're like 20 21
0: years old yeah
1: 21 years old never had any money and all of a sudden i get like and for me it's not a lot like uh, the, the the i think at the time the practice squad was like i don't know 4 or 5000 a week which that's nothing to it's not a it's not a minimal amount but it, to what some people were making it was yeah. it was the bottom of the barrel but i'm like in my head going like yeah all right you know what i mean <laughs> yeah and then comes the culture of it i have to i have to uh to hold up this image so within you know halfway through the first season I'm buying a car from a teammate that's got the rims. It's got the speaker system. It's got, it's it's literally purple. Like it's it's so outside of who I actually was. People are just like, the car is kind of neat. It's, and it was on airbag suspension, but it doesn't really match. It was just, it's like, it, it, I mean, it couldn't have been more clear just from an object standpoint, who you are as a person or who other people see you really as a person. Cause you know, it's most of the time people see You for who you are, but we ourselves don't really see that, right? They go like, "No, you're really." um, I see this in you, and you know, a great, amazing example of that is I did so much self-work after this um, NFL chapter. I spent a couple years on my on my own, really diving deep and trying to untangle all the things that got me to this place, and. what, what does happiness mean for me? What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does strength and confidence look like and feel like? Um, and I got to a point, you know, I wanted a partner and, and a family at some point, And it got to a point where I was like, well, maybe it's just not going to happen. And, and the moment that I said, and that's okay, because now I, I had done enough work to where I said, well, I love myself enough. And even saying that at that time was a big deal because there was never any self-love involved. It was self-preservation, but there wasn't ever any self-love involved. The moment I I felt that and experienced that within a week, my wife walked into my life, and and it was she provided the 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 offerings of this is what I see, and it's uh, through no filters of my own. But this is what I see in you, and was able to 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 lift me to a level of confidence and, and happiness and stepping into that, that power fully. Whereas before I'd shy back quite a bit and play small so other people could feel okay, which I think is a, is a thing with men, especially as like, well, okay, we don't want to make anybody else feel uncomfortable. We step back a bit. And it's not about being, you know, ego based, like, look at me, look at me, look at me, but it's having the confidence to step in and be like, no, I know my value. I know my worth and I know who I am and it's okay. Right? That was the biggest thing for me because it was always like, let me just play small. We me play small so no one gets uncomfortable. But you have to get uncomfortable. I had to get uncomfortable. I think to change, we have to get uncomfortable. Change, uncertainty is the process of growth. That's why we're here, I believe. To grow and to live with integrity and to learn to love each other, right? Right? Um, we can get so far as individuals and then it takes the reflection right of somebody really special that you can really dive deep with and grow roots with that's the power of our relationship now 10 years of, of, of 11 almost 11 years now of marriage and constantly just being a reflection and holding ourselves accountable for you know taking we always call it taking care of our side of the street
0: yeah yeah constantly yeah i yeah i couldn't agree with you more that uh you know, I I didn't I didn't meet my wife Brooke, who you know I I didn't meet her yeah. at in the same uh, place that you that you met your wife. You know, I still had a lot of work to do, and so I think most people when they enter into relationships aren't in that place of self love and self worth, and so mm-hmm. there's a there, there's a lot of um there's a lot of power in the fact that you kind of said you know you you had been doing a lot of work on your own. I mean, I had been doing relatively no work uh in the spiritual side of things you know um so when I met my wife there was a lot of sort of growing pains in the early part of our relationship and obviously still there's growth in in, in any relationship that we're still dealing with but um and not deal not dealing with but experiencing I don't want to say dealing with um, right it's not right. like it, it's not at times you feel like you're dealing with it but ultimately it's for the best um, right so I think another point that you raised that I think is very interesting too is that I think there's a lot of people that probably were in a very similar position to you as professional athletes where they kind of don't really know who they are Mm -hmm. because they've been, it's almost like a regimentation of like the military. You're sort of broken down. And 100%. everything you do is regimented. You're told when to eat, you're told when to sleep, you're told when to lift okay. weights, you're told when to go, to, you know, so everything's <laughs> planned for you. Um, you know, you, you're you kind of looked up to as this sort of gladiator demigod by, by people that run into you, um, yeah. even people that probably don't even know who you are, are, like, oh, that guy's on the Titans. Let's just go talk to him, you know, like that type of thing. Right. And then right. you and then that all ends. Or you, and, and you're very fortunate that you decided you were done with it, as opposed to a lot of other people who just grind and don't want to leave. And then the game decides that they're done with them. And I think that's where a lot of people get in trouble is because they, oh, yeah. you know, unfinished business. Um, but the other part of it, too, is that it is that, that you mentioned is there's a balance of like feeling confident but not being cocky being okay with saying, I know that I'm very good at this thing and saying it in mixed company and not having, not being self-conscious about, oh, did I come off as too confident? Just knowing yourself enough. But then there's this other kind of, you can tilt over to the other side of just being like, braggadocio and, and just talking about how great you are and you don't want to do that either. But, but also (laughs) if, if you, if you do feel, if you do feel pleased with yourself that you should be okay saying to other people, these are things that I do well, this is what I'm good at. But equally, I think you should be open to saying, these are things I don't do well. And these are things I'm working on. The other side of that people aren't as open to like talk about, you know, everyone needs to be perfect. And it's like, no one, everyone has a lot that they're working on. Whether they realize that's right. it or not,
1: that's right. And I think, and to to, to add on to that, I think w- um, where that um, confidence, at least, it's come from, or that uh, the knowing of of self, is to actually to be in um, spaces, or to put yourself in still spaces for a consistent period of time, you know, like weeks, months, years, even, where you're having these conversations with your own internal dialogue. And and then it becomes a, a thing of there is this voice inside that we all have that's communicating constantly that's telling us well you look this way you look this way you do this well you don't do that well and then it gets to a certain point when you have spent enough time doing it going like who is who who's talking
0: <laughs> yeah
1: because it's not me it's not me the the, the the Eckhart Tolle had a great has a great quote where he says we are not our minds right you are not your mind and that constant turning of thoughts of like. You're this, you're that. Uh, you do this really well. You don't do that really well. Um, wow, you, you shouldn't have said these things. And da, da, da. And then if I create enough space between that voice and I start saying, well, actually, this is this is what I believe. And the subconscious is programmed the opposite. But if I say it enough to myself, actually, this is my new belief. Conscious mind, you go relay this to the subconscious. This is my new belief. This is my new belief. And people go... Uh, I'll have people ask me, uh, times they go, yeah, but that feels fake. I feel like I'm being false because I don't really believe it, but that's what it takes when you're developing a new belief. You're not going to believe it. The, the conscious mind would love for you to stay just as you are for the rest of your life. Good, bad, or indifferent. It doesn't care. Any, amount, just of, any amount
0: of change is a bad idea. It's a bad whatever, idea. Yeah, for whatever reason, <laughs> our brains are wired that way. Yeah. Isn't it wild? And, and yeah. you
1: take it back to like, I get it. Um... I I get the the need for self-preservation if you're, if we're, you know, in a, in a, um, a natural setting and you don't know what's around the next corner, you have to play it safe or else you're dead, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? There might be a, a a saber tooth tiger or a dinosaur or some (laughs) other being, right? Yeah. But if we can, this is why I got so fascinated with the brain over a decade ago and how it works and why we do what we do and, um, If we want to rewire it, how do we go about it? If it's like a computer, okay, great. Let's open up, let's rewire, how do we do this? This got really fascinating for me because I'm like, oh, I actually have control over this. Based on what I choose to think and how I feel and the actions that I take, I have actually control over what goes on in here and in here, in my heart, in my mind, in my heart. And look how it's changing the outside the reality that my eyes see, which mm-hmm. is just a reflection. I mean, you think about your brain, it's in a dark shell. It doesn't see anything. It's using the senses as friends. Like, hey, guys, go out and get information, bring it back. I'm going to create a picture on the back of your head that you can now <laughs> have an idea of what you're seeing. So does it doesn't really exist? I mean, then that gets really deep, really quick, and people go, that's too much. Yeah, so, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> so to break it down, to break it down in simple terms, I, I just say... Okay, if what I'm thinking consistently on a daily basis has an effect on how I feel on a daily basis, if I can control those two things, now I'm in control and taking power back of my life, which to up until this point has been people telling me what to think, how to feel, how to do, everything from how to dress, how to look, how to talk, how to um, you are this, and in, in this regards, the athlete, you are the athlete. And everything that goes through that system of thought and emotion, thought and emotion is running through that filter of I am this, I am this, I am this. And then you strip it away. Now what? The brain doesn't know what to do. All it knows is the past.
0: Yeah, the thought. that's your, where I got hooked. Yeah. Your thoughts lead to your behaviors. Your behaviors lead to outcomes. Those outcomes shape your reality. So that's it's it. a, it's a very linear... Development when you break it down that way, but it's a lot more complicated in practice, right? So you go out there and you're just living 100%. your life. hundred yeah. so, <laughs> percent. And I, that's I, the tough, that's the yeah. tough thing
1: to get across is because people will go like this, like, that sounds really great. How do I do that?
0: Yeah. Um, but how do I, do, I, yeah. how do, how you, do, I do it? Yeah.
1: How do I do it? I can't, and, and what's interesting is you you don't even have, like in just a normal conversation with somebody we can have, they'll be like, okay, so that sounds really great. How do we do it? Okay, just do try these, this one thing in the morning. And then you'll hear the list of things that start to come up about I can't, 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 I can't. And then uh, <laughs> you stop and be like, tell me one thing that you can do. Yeah. How, how can you incorporate it into this life where it works for you? Because you notice the, re- the, 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 um, the MO is I can't. I can't. I couldn't possibly. That's not me. Well, who is the me we're talking about, right? Who? Yeah. Who do you want to be? Yeah. Who? 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 How do you want to move through the world? And you ask these questions, and I know or I ask these questions, and they can get pretty emotional because they are emotionally attached to things. Well, I could never do that. I could never. But I think when we when we really sit still for I mean for extended periods of times, so we really start to learn who that is. Like we were just touching on earlier, who is actually saying these things and who's telling us,
0: yeah, these things? So, it's yeah. it's just a it's an imaginary voice in your head. It's right, wild to right. think about, or it's or it's your parents, or it's some yes. person who made you feel less than, or it's you know it's yes. a pattern, it's a worn-in groove. Yes, which is why I think it's so hard to change. Like I I tend to get up very early in the morning. Usually, that's like mm-hmm. just something that I. I, I brought into my life and I found to be really helpful. And when I tell people that I get up at that time, they're just like, I could never do that. I'm like, you could absolutely do it. It's so tell easy. Tell them yeah. tell them Ian, like, I, mean, I, I want to say to them, like, if I can do it, you can do it. You because if you it. had any idea of how, you know, how much I've struggled with stuff in my past, if I can wake up at 4.50 or 5 a.m. every day or most days and do stuff like anyone can do it. And so I think that... People tell themselves that story or tell themselves a story, then they pattern it in their behavior and then that just becomes who they are, like you're saying. And um, we, we hold the keys to creating the reality that makes the most sense for us if we just kind of allow ourselves the freedom to, to think freely and think big. You know, we are the barrier. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's and such yeah. great points, such great points. Sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead.
0: No, I, I wanted to I wanted to talk to you about and we talked a little bit on the phone about this, but I think this is important mm-hmm. for a lot of the men listening and some women, I'm sure. But, you know, you played a very aggressive, violent game for a long time and you were conditioned mm-hmm. to go out. And even though you played an offensive position, you're still having to like ram into people and literally <laughs> legitimately fight people every single day, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so there's violence in there. There's aggression in there. Mm. And those things are, they don't go away easily. They don't, especially as a man, they don't go away easily. They play into the, I think, lie of masculinity that Mm. men are supposed to be aggressive and powerful. And, and I think that's part of being masculine to some extent, but not, not the whole story. Um, and then you stop playing in the NFL or you stop playing a sport in college or high school or whatever. And then you have to go out into the world with all of that conditioning. How do you or how did you or how does anyone or even just people, you know, who maybe still play in the NFL or had a longer career than you? How do they decondition? Mm-hmm. If How do you decondition yourself that way as a man, as an athlete, as as a person to graduate from violence, I guess, in that yeah, way? Yeah,
1: that's a that's a really great question and it's a question that's ignored um, and not talked about and pushed down um, specifically in the NFL and then also with anyone else doing whatever um, violent occupation that may be. Um, and it's not answered. That's why you have so much depression um, and so much, uh, you know, getting so dark as to even touch on, you know, I've had friends that have contemplated taking their own lives, right? Because it's just too much because you have been given a license to tear somebody's head off. And not only given a license to, but encouraged to do it often. So from the age, whenever we put pads on in high school till uh, all the way through the NFL, it has been that that violence and it's escalated. You know, high school is one thing, junior college, another thing, division one um, college, completely other thing. And then... The NFL kind of hides it. They know that it's going to be so violent during um, the games and um, they they back off a lot because now you have grown men actually that have the capability of doing serious harm. Um, So you have to kind of temper that violence experience during the practice week. No pads, no helmets, no, you know, so the temptation to do it. But I mean, you have training camp and you have the games and you have all that. And so... It was the it, it's 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 not talked about so when it's done, you wonder I wondered, and I had this while I was in that bartending period of six months before the Raiders called and said, Hey, come do a workout six months of of not understanding why I was so trigger like on a hair trigger, wanting to experience violence right and, and wanting to somebody said something i didn't that triggered something and the immediate thing is to want to physically do harm right and and to constantly think that so it's a conditioning and looking back now it's easy to see that that's all it was is a conditioning response and having the practices and the tools that i have now if i had just had one or two of them to use would have been the pathway back to some semblance of health but you bring it like you talk about to somebody that just is getting out of this violent um, conditioning, sport, something about, you know, Eastern philosophies or yoga or meditation or some practice that involves like the esoteric, it's lost mm-hmm. for most people. It's that's lost not, it's because that's not,
0: it's not it, mechanical. It's not easy to understand, like in It's that not way. easy to understand.
1: Yeah. Exactly. It's, and it's not physical in the way of contact, right? It's not physical in the way of tangible in the way that I know. We're talking now about an internal world that, that, that I, that I understand well, having visualized uh, my way to the, reach this height in sports. But, but how do I tactically do that now? Because I can visualize and then go do it. But now when I visualize peace and happiness and calm, there's nothing to... I don't have anything... I didn't have the tools then to interpret it into my life. I didn't even know this was actually a condition. I didn't know it was a conditioning that I... So all I knew is there was violence and I was depressed and I was, um, that led to how do I numb this, okay? So I numb it with pills, I numb it with alcohol, I numb it with drugs, anything I can get my hands on. Then I feel, I bring myself back down to a level where I can feel n- normal, quote unquote, which is a terrible normal. Um, and I think it takes, it's like, you know, the, the, the hero's journey of, you know, Joseph Campbell. It's, it's beautiful that you, you go out you experience, you know, this false victory um, or this uh, the, a victory, but then there's a, a defeat and you go through that whole process of like, oh my God, everything I know and everything and everyone that I thought I knew is no longer. And you either come out of it a new person or you stay forever just dragging along, right? And a lot of the guys I played with, even to this day, like Ian, I'm talking about right now, this day are still attached to that identity of I am my past. I am a football player. I am a track star. I am, I am defined by you see me and you see my size or you see um, specific attributes. Yeah, I was this. And it's still, and this is almost two decades ago. And I, and I go, God, I think, I, I, I profusely thank my friend who pulled me out of Las Vegas um, to this day. And he still, he just goes, dude, stop, stop, stop <laughs> thanking me, right? But I'm like, no, you don't understand. I don't think you understand. His name's Eugene. I go, Eugene, you don't understand because my life right now doesn't exist without your helping hand. That is simple. What was easy for you just to reach out a hand literally saved my life. And the tools that I gained as a result of that one offering of, just help from you. And this is what, again, I speak to a lot of men who, who are thinking, I've got to do this on my own. I'm the lone wolf. Um, I don't need any help. We do. Yeah. We, we need, need a lot help. of help. Yeah. We need a lot of help and support. And, and across humanity, um, the, the I, idea I would argue, I would
0: posit that men need more help processing their emotions than, mm-hmm. I mean, I think, but, you know, this is a generalization, but I think women are just better at. working, working through it and talking and what they want to talk about it. And men are not, you know, most of us are, have to learn the skill that we were born with because we're deconditioned (laughs) from a very early age of like socks up, you know, shut up, head straight, be a man, don't cry and don't, don't feel. And, um, I think that part of that sort of graduation of the mindset that you're talking about is, is wrapped up in masculinity a little bit. And I'm sure that there's, but there's also women who I've met who are either pro athletes or very high level athletes. And I can tell that they're sort of stuck in the identity of who they were. And I, and I've struggled with that too, of like, oh, I did this. So I, but, but now what I'm starting to realize is like, you're not who you were, you're who you are. And that's a, it's a product of, of the past. But if you're constantly dragging yourself back to that and reliving that, uh, you know, perceived glory or those experiences, then you're not, you're not going to grow in a way that, that, you know, you need, I think you need to.
1: Exactly. Exactly. A good example of that. My, my, uh, I recently over the last few years reconnected with my father. Um, and what's interesting about his mindset and he's in his sixties now or or late sixties, early seventies, um, is he's still so much very identified with his past. And what he should have done, could have done, would have done. And it was really interesting in my mindset now, before uh, having a conversation with him would be like, okay, when can I get off this phone call? Because we're going over the same stories. But this, this time around, it was there was a level of compassion felt that I'd never experienced before because I realized what that must be like to still be living in that headspace at his age and to still say, could I have made it to the NFL still? And I said, dad, stop, please stop.
0: I did it for you, we're good. <laughs> yeah, I did it for you. I did you. it for you, yeah. and, we're and okay. And by the way, it had, it, was, it had a lot that wasn't so great about by the way, it for it. yeah. By the way, it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> By the way,
1: the, the the negative outweighed the good. Yeah. No, but um, but 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 so there's. I think when you when you when you decide when we each whether you're man, woman, um, or any other um, identification that you have identified with, when you decide, you make the decision. You know what? I'm going to start to turn inwards more than I am outwards. That's that's the shift. That's when the paradigm shifts and you start to bang up against who you were and who you are. And that's when the real work begins because it doesn't ever end. I'm never in a meditation thinking of like, Oh, I can't wait till the day I'm enlightened. Like, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, it doesn't exist. Like it's day in, day out, especially now with what's going on. Now we have, to, we don't have to be, but to be present is the only place I can be. Cause if I'm futurizing, I'm worrying, I'm fearful, I'm anxious. If I'm in my past, I'm thinking, I'm the same thing. And I know I can catch myself now when I'm feeling these emotions. And people go, yeah, but you're just pushing them away. I go, no, no, no. I identify them in the moment. I say, what is this that I'm experiencing? I feel the whole thing. And I go, I have some tools now, whether it's specific breath work or meditation or or just going on a walk, moving my body around.
0: Exercise is just incredible. Yes. Yeah right this, this, yeah this has been uh, really revealing i've talked about it a little bit i mean my, you know you know my wife from from yoga yes. i mean she she would go fairly frequently and it was a big centering point in her life and and um mm-hmm. and i you know i would lift weights and and do cardio and stuff and and have that i had access to a gym and i was yeah. you know, that was a a big part of like a, a self soothing mechanism and then this pandemic happens that all goes away and I'm like scrambling to figure out how I'm going to like exercise on a tiny, you know, patch of pavement, you know, and it's like you're, you start to realize like I should be capable of soothing myself without these tools. But these tools are really valuable. And, and I think that, you know, that's something that I've certainly that's been one of the gifts that I've realized um, through this whole entire experience is like these are not necessarily things that I want. These are things I need. And, and I need yeah. them because they provide me with, um, comfort and, and that yes. becomes a necessity, you know? So like mm-hmm. when we, when we, you know, I, I, I want to figure out a way to, you know, save up some money and buy a sauna. I want to, you know, have my, have my own yeah. home gym because if this happens again, I want to have the tools available to me so that I don't have to go outward to find them somewhere else. I just have them for myself because they help me in whatever way. And so like, exercise like you said is such a huge uh such a huge thing that like we are like programmed to do and so many of us don't absolutely yeah
1: absolutely it's literally in our dna right like this stationary life um well that the majority of society experiences right it's not natural right we're meant to be constantly moving around constantly you know moving from place to place to place to place to place and uh and all of these, we think about like, think of all this—the um, stored energy, whether that's negative or positive—that gets like stored just from being in that in that one position, and that voice inside constantly staying. Of course, you get to the end of the day, and you get home, and you go like, "I'm I'm exhausted. I haven't done yeah. anything, but I'm exhausted."
0: Yeah, mentally. Why? Fatigued.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to figure out at a certain point after a few years of actually um, of doing this work, I wanted to figure out, okay how do i take energy and how do i make it last through, not only throughout the whole day but um where it doesn't ever falter or shift or um i'm constantly vibrating at a level that's high right i don't really feel tired or feel this and so th- i mean that much like studying the brain and how that works it's a similar similar world if not the same world in that there are specific things that you do if you do them on a the consistent basis your energy doesn't spike and go down, right? It just is a nice nice, long throughout your day, right? But that takes some awareness in saying that I'm not gonna allow things and people outside me to zap my energy, energy vampire type yeah. stuff, right?
0: Yeah. So that, it's a pro- I think it's yeah, a process. That's a trick, that's a trick. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's one that's like very a big difficult. One. Yeah, I mean, you know, working, <laughs> working in my job, working in the entertainment industry, um, oh, man. It's, it's been a very, very long education for me. I'm, I've gotten much better at it. Um, but I can catch myself when I'm getting kind of gr- uh, drawn into that vortex. And I kind of just, yeah, like, this is not life or death. Don't don't allow this energy to kind of enter into what you're what you're doing. And don't give this person or don't give this situation the privilege of affecting uh, how, yeah. how you behave or how you are, you know, look at it kind of holistically and and kind of a bird's eye view. And usually when you do that, you make better decisions and you feel better about Mm. the situation than if you're Mm -hmm. emotional and reactive, because I I just think it's, you know, people that are blessed with uh, temperaments that allow them to be like kind of pensive and quiet and kind of think about things. I'm always like, they are so fortunate to have that. Um, but I, but <laughs> I, I, I wonder if they look at someone like, like me or more how I used to be, not necessarily how I am now, and go, man, I wish I had that sort of like, you know, that get up and go and, you know, get in people's faces and tell them why they're wrong attitude. I wonder if they feel the same way or not. Oh, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I do think that, um, that's such a huge thing is not letting external, like I call it outside noise versus inside noise. You know, how can you, how can you figure out like, uh, getting, I call it getting quiet. How do you, how can you get quiet? How can you get quiet and quiet? Meaning yourself internally speaking less, listening more, uh, being more attuned to yourself and the act of getting quiet, I think is like something that we don't value necessarily, you know? Yeah. We, we, mm-hmm. we like we everyone to hear what we're saying online and, and, and uh, get into fights with people on YouTube and stuff. And <laughs> I, don't think well, I don't think that's helping <laughs> anything. I think we, no, all, need, I we want... all need to get a little quieter, I think. Totally agree.
1: Um, and there's so much power that you're, by choosing to do that, that you're taking back, right, for yourself. In, in saying like, I'm literally going to process what I'm feeling, how how I'm going, how you're going to respond to that situation. And then doing so with the, fr- with the, and this is all happening so quickly, like in milliseconds. And you're mm-hmm. saying in the frame of mind, that's going to be um, not finger pointing, but okay, so I hear this is what you're saying. How, how do we make this work for all of us? Or whatever the case may be, right? And that's the, I think that's the the one of the big uh, pillars, if you can call it that, of, of of development of self and understanding yourself is taking that internal dialogue and really, 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 from an unemotional standpoint, not reacting to it, but but choosing how to respond in the most helpful way to everybody involved, right? And there are, of course, there are times where you're just like, this is ridiculous. I'm going to fire something off right
0: now,
1: <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, we're not. Perfect. Especially in your business, right? Especially in, in, the, in the, the entertainment industry. I can't even imagine. Um, my wife is in it um, as well. So, and I, from, from an athlete standpoint to, you know, someone that's in the entertainment industry, I always look outside in and I go like, oh my God, how are you dealing with this so well? because at least in the from an athlete standpoint if there's something that's wrong or un right you can take it out in a second again with physicality
0: right yeah, or if and it's, it's if, gone. You, if it's a team then the team has to address it together i mean if a yes. bad a bad, yes. te- a bad team is a team that doesn't communicate well i mean you know that that, yeah. that, that has a a failure of of you know a lot of people i think they go oh, they don't have talent i i think it's communication i think that You know when the coach or when when you know a a key player isn't communicating well, that's where Mm -hmm. the breakdown happens. You know if you look at the best teams, they have the best communication and relationships and and respect for each other, right? So that's the whole thing about being an athlete. You can address it either physically, like I've heard of you know and I've seen it. Coaches just letting guys that have had issues with each other go at each other and just let them do it, let them let them kind of wind it out. Uh, And I've also seen (laughs) you know I've also been on been parts of teams and organizations you could be like oh this is all bad everyone hears this is not going to work out um oh yeah but in the entertainment industry it's a very megalomaniac it can be it's not always sometimes you're on great teams that are creating projects uh but a lot of times it's a very kind of there's a lot of narcissism in in uh working sometimes with artists and i think that there needs to be in some cases because if it's someone's vision that you're trying to help, uh, see through, then you kind of need, th- they kind of need to be that way in order to kind of express yeah. what they need to express. But I think the way that a lot of people go about it, uh, is where the breakdown occurs. Like they're rude to people or mean to people, or, you know, don't express right. it, don't express their urges or their, uh, creative, um, inputs in a way that, uh, that make people feel heard and included, but also make people understand like, this is mine. I hear you, but- yeah uh, but this is mine, you know? And and I think if, if you just let people kind of be heard, they're okay. I think usually they're okay with being like, well, I guess this is just the way it's going to go, but at least they heard, at least they listened, you know, type of thing. That's
1: the biggest thing. Uh, one of the biggest things is that you touched on it earlier is, is the act of the art of listening Mm -hmm. and to also get curious about, um, in In listening, also having tools from a communication standpoint, right of I literally had to be taught like when i 'm feeling this way, here's a script of what to say <laughs> that is going to help you, and to memorize it, I mean, my wife, being the wonderful communicator that she is, has taught me so much in that regard because usually if it's something before her that um, that triggered me in a way, it's like shut down all systems shut down, no communication. Um, or it's not very helpful communication, right? Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing, one of a uh, great thing that I've learned and I've continued to learn and, and, and research is th- there is an art to the the communication, right? In, especially when we're we get uh, somebody says something that we don't necessarily agree with, or it, it goes outside of our box of like, well, did you mean it this way? Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm unsure. Just the and he, and, and and listening and silence there's so much power in the silence <laughs> right it's it's a fascinating thing because we're constantly um while somebody's talking processing and then attempting pl- formulating what we're going to say so it's it's to catch even still now to catch that in the moment and be like stop
0: yeah i've i've noticed that i have started to pause more when I'm speaking to people for longer periods of time, that I think sometimes makes people feel uncomfortable, um, because it's not something that happens a lot. So when I'm trying to formulate a thought, I don't just shoot it out. I really try to think about it. I don't do it on this podcast. I probably should do it more. Uh, no, nah. but like <laughs> perfect. No, but I I uh, I have noticed that silent. Like if someone says something to you and you just kind of absorb it and think about how to respond it makes people uncomfortable because it's not common people are always like you're saying they have that next thing sort of in the chamber ready to say so they're sort yeah. of half they're sort of half listening because they're also formulating in their head well how am I going to respond to this thought and and through that you're kind of losing some of the communication from that other person because you're Covering it up with noise internally of how you're going to respond, especially it's one thing if it's just a casual conversation. But if there's a disagreement, I think that's where a lot of breakdown can happen. Um, Yeah. So pausing and absorbing. I think with everything, not just conversation, but when kind of you witness you witness something a little nuts and you kind of look at it and can don't be as reactive, kind of absorb things like seeing people having meltdowns in public, which I've been seeing a lot lately. Oh Um, boy. You know, I I used to kind of, yeah, I used to kind of meet that energy and now I just sort of, I'm like, uh, they're having a hard time. I'm going to, you know, I feel, (laughs) I feel bad for them. I know what they feel like, you know, they're, I know they're having a tantrum and I used, I used to do that a lot and I, I get it. Um, so I feel like you, you, t- you said earlier with your dad, you feel compassion as opposed yeah. to anger. Someone pulls mm-hmm. out in front, of, in front of you in, in traffic or someone just you know, honks at you for no reason. I used to meet that with, you know, how dare, you know, it was some sort of personal uh, affront to me as a human. And now I'm just like, oh, they're in pain. Yeah. They're upset. Yes, yeah
1: oh, what a place to get to though. I mean, that, that get, just in getting to that, Place it takes a real decision, right? Because it's it's going against everything that we've been taught and conditioned. Again, it goes back to conditioning, like Rah! Yeah. ah, right? Like, and it, it still ha- like let's be honest, like it still happens. I think what's really important is to to give your give ourselves credit when it happens and you and you one notice it, but also. The amount of time that is cut down as far as like the amount of time it takes for you to become aware of, oh, shoot. Well, uh, th- this may have been the more appropriate response in that moment. OK, next time. And then you let it go. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that amount of time if gets cut down and cut down and cut down to where it's in the moment. That's it's it's great work being done by yourself. And I don't think people give themselves enough credit and um, enough pats on the back for good things that they do. We're, we're constantly so hard on ourselves about not being perfect.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, there's, and... A, there's a snowball effect to that behavior too is because like the more you do it, the better you get at it. And then the better you get at it, the more you do it, right? Because you're, you, yes. there's, a, there's a little reward in it for you. You go, oh, yeah, I did that thing. It's like being able to do like one more rep or, or running your 40 a point. <laughs> you know, a half a millisecond faster or something, you know, it's the same type of thing. If you can equate it, if you can equate it to something, uh, measurable, then it becomes almost like if you can gamify it in a way of like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I did that. That was good. Let's do that again. Let's see if I can do four more of those this week type of thing. Then it just becomes fun. And then it also becomes something that become that's valuable and second nature, because what's second nature to most people and myself included that I'm trying to sort of decondition is like, that reactive state of being in that heightened fight or flight mode at all times, waiting for someone to do something to you. Um, and now it's like waiting to see how I'm going to react positively. That, that's the diff, that's the shift of something's going to happen. There will be something that happens today that probably could be irritating. I choose whether I get irritated or not. Beautifully said. That
1: is like, that's a lifetime of work in a beautifully said sentence. Like that, um, is is what I feel this, all of this work comes back to this, that one point, right? All of it. I mean, we can get, there's so many, you know, do this to feel this way, do that to feel this way, try this, try that, try that. And I know at least when I started, first started, it was really confusing. Okay, where do I start? W- what are all these things? Um, is there a right way or a wrong way? Am I doing this correctly? Should I sit this way? Should I dress this way? Should I... Blah, blah, blah. It all just comes back to, to that, that the one point of I get to decide or I get to choose moment to moment to moment to moment to moment to moment mm-hmm. until the moment doesn't even exist anymore. And that's just how you live, right? It's, it's now that is the new normal moving through the world in that way where it's leading from your heart more than it is your, you know, the logical mind and, and creating some coherence between the heart and the mind, uh, but uh, I, I think a lot we d- we don't really go from at least right now we're not coming from this place the heart necessarily the majority of of yeah panic
0: yeah I remember you know I, I've done yoga, I've done hot yoga a few times I know that you you do you're an instructor and you're very well practiced at doing yoga but I've struggled with and I wonder if I'd be better at it now just based on the work that I've been doing mm-hmm. um, if what you know. Uh, instructors would often say, and I'm sure you say something similar of like, get out of your head space and into your heart or into your body. Get out mm-hmm. of that, get out of this space and enter into these other spaces, these other energy spaces, these vessels within your body. You can kind of transfer consciousness within your body actively. Mm-hmm. And I used to be like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> I was like, dude. I, I can't like, <laughs> this is, this is it. This is all I got. I'm, I can't do any of these stretches and I'm just, struggling and I'm sweating and it'll be over soon, you know? So like I almost would get irritated by it of like, what are they talking about? I'm here. I'm breathing. I feel pretty relaxed. I, I, You know what? I'm fine. You know? Um, Yeah. But now I see, oh no, no. There's a whole other meditative quality to quieting down the monkey brain and really settling in and getting into your body. And now I've noticed that when I'm starting to feel like, the temperature is rising within me from a stress standpoint, I notice that I don't feel connected to my body. I feel like mm. tight, tight. And I don't, I, I just feel kind of heavy in my body and not, you know, not yeah. like kind of, uh, loose. I don't know any other way to say it. And now I'm trying of understanding. Yeah. No, you need to find something, a grounding practice to bring you back into your body. Some people That's use it. Psychedelics. Some people use yoga. Some people use exercise. Whatever it is, but I think yeah. that part part of what people do is to get back into their body. I mean, some people are disconnected to their body. They don't even know. I mean, I suggested to my father that he stretch, and he like looked at me like I was like, you know, he's like, "What are you talking? Stretching?" He's like, "I'm," st-. <laughs> he was complaining about being stiff. I'm like, "You should stretch," and he was like what did you say to me? You know, you're like, you're like I don't know. I just yeah. thought maybe you should stretch. I don't maybe. Know. Here's yeah, some yeah. articles. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the heart, the heart space, uh, the body space, I think is something that really interesting.
1: You, you're, you're right about that. I, I, I use, about the hard, um, just you know, off right off the bat, you know, hearing. Because um, I remember too, when I was in a place where somebody would say, an uh, instructor would say something like that or somebody would offer it and I'd be like, what the fuck, what does that even mean? And I used to the first couple of years of the, my teaching experience say things in that realm and not realize that there are some people in the room that haven't done or have, are not at that place of understanding or it doesn't make any sense. And so I've really attempted uh, when offering whether it's in meditation or yoga or some sort of physical whatever it is to take that kind of language and shift it to let's what, what are we let's go down to the basics. What are we doing here? We're just breathing and moving. Very simple, right? Now, there's going to be music you're going to hear in the background that's going to cause your brain like this is all subconsciously happening where there's music playing where It's helping your left and right brain start to work in coherence together. Don't even have to mention that because it's just happening. People walk in the room and this is playing. They're like, oh, this is a really interesting choice. And it just repeats all class. So throughout the class and instructing very basic, I'm talking as minimal cues as possible. So somebody can literally, that's never done it, get into it. And then while in it, I start to offer cues of what might be going on in your mind. How much longer are we here? What's next? Who's coughing over there? Why am yeah. I de-
0: right? Bre- why are they breathing so heavy? Like why are they breathing stuff? this way? And, yeah. and
1: saying that out loud while you're in the pose and going like, how, is he, what's, what, how does he know what I'm thinking right now? It's, in- it's, in- it might- it's
0: inclusive. It makes them feel like, oh, okay. Yeah, I am, I am doing this right. I'm kind of. literally in this with you
1: and you're, yeah. there is no right or wrong way to do this. Like, Oh, the person in front of me is doing it like this. No, D- you don't need to do anything other than just, okay, those two cues. Okay. I'm in it and now just breathe
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> and now just breathe. And by the end of it, if you, if that, that becomes a much more accessible practice than all of the cues and other, at least in my mind of all of the other cues and the, and the esoteric nature of it which let's get into the esoteric but let's do it experientially like where i'm not actually telling you we're going to go into the outer realms of your consciousness and i'm going to float you above the um the 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 earth and we're going to go into the universe and you're going to see mars and jupiter and right yeah we'll have an experience here in your body and then at the end when you're laying there without any sort of guidance you're already doing that and you're like what the What is going on?
0: Yeah. Where did I just go? That's why it's practice, right? You can do it over and over and over and over again. And then you just get better and better and better at it. And then it, then it becomes something that you become expert in it. You know, you you start to get really good. And then it's like the improvements are small, but they're really meaningful yeah because at the beginning it's, it's in, just like massive leaps and it's like anything like you know when you when you're learning something there's these massive yeah. gains in knowledge and ability and you're going this is fantastic i'm gonna just i'm gonna be the best at this ever and then there's this like plateau and you're like hmm i'm not really learning as much and then there's like a little thing oh i can do this pose now all right that's you know so it becomes this <laughs> <Yeah>. like graduated <laughs> thing that hooks you in yeah so yeah it's interesting um that's a good I, I like that you approach it that way because there were times where I didn't feel held in that way when I would do yoga because it felt like the instructor was there was there for the people who were there who were there all the time. And it's like I feel like you kind of have to be there for the people that are there the first day and the people that are there the thousandth time. Because oh, if you're not if you're not, then you're really not it's almost like you're missing the message of what it is you're doing. You're trying to mm-hmm to guide people along in this very important experience and ha- and make it meaningful for anyone based on experience level, athleticism, injury, age, gender, whatever. Um, right. It's like an inclusive right. experience that way. So I think it's cool that you do it that way because there have been times where I've been in yoga and I'd be like, I've also even noticed like instructors looking <laughs> at me like, I, this guy doesn't belong in here, kind of. And I'm See? like, I, I get it, I get it. I I, I don't, but I'm trying. I'm trying.
1: You know? I don't. I know. But here's the thing, too, about it, right? And we're talking, like, specifically now, we're on on yoga. I'm like, okay. So let's, if we go, like, and and you being the, a history buff, like you said, let's go. Let, I was, I'm always curious about the origins of things, right? Well, let's go back and let's discover. Okay, why yoga, the practice of yoga? Why was it? Why was moving your body and breathing so important? Um, in the east, right? Well, there they were like 12 or 13 poses that they would do before meditating so they could sit for longer periods of time and get into what we're talking about, right? Okay, great. So it came over to the west now and we threw in like 50 uh, gymnastics poses. So now it's not, it's, it's gymnastics for all intents and purposes, right? Yeah. I'm teaching people gymnastics poses that I don't know anything about gymnastics. Like my daughter's in it yeah. and I'm learning now about all these <laughs> gymnastics poses. Yeah. But so I, I, I go, okay, so if that's the goal, and, and, and I got attracted to yoga for that reason. I felt something while in the room while holding poses where I was having to think about other things than stuff outside of me. I was having to deal with my own uh, demons, whatever you want to call it. If that's the, the nature and that's the, 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 the idea of what this practice of the many arms of, of, of this belief system are, physical practice of yoga how can we make it so accessible that anyone that's done it their first time or a thousand thousand time where they're still getting benefit from it? Like so the person that's never done it comes out and goes, Oh my, what the hell was that? And the person that's done it a
0: thousand times is like,
1: that was I need, everything.
0: I needed that. Yeah. My wife would yeah. come home sometimes and she's like, you know, I was, I was hysterical crying. I'm like, why do you want to do that? Why do you want to go in a room and cry with, st- I didn't understand it. I'm like, what do you mean you were crying? She's like, I don't know. It was just like coming out of me. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong. It's, and now I get it. Now I'm like, oh, I get yeah. it. You're, you have to, the energy has to go somewhere and you have to find ways to get it out. Otherwise you just sit yeah. in it and it just it, it, it leads to uh, destructive behaviors or tendencies that that, mm-hmm. that force you further away from who you really want to be. And so for her, it's an energetic practice, a cleansing, literal cleansing practice of yeah. getting, ener- getting energy out that that uh, is either good or bad or whatever it is. That's right. That's right.
1: And I think just like in a conversation that we're having now, the the conversation within the yoga class and even right now is only as open as you and I are actually open, right? Yeah. So I, a few years ago said, well, what if I went into these classes now thinking that I'm completely wide open and I'm going on this ride with you guys. I'm not half in, half out. I'm fully in this experience of what this must be like to be in it. And when you combine that intention And the intention and holding space for the intention of everyone else in the room, whatever their intention may be. And you combine it with sound, a frequency, not music, but a sound that takes your mind out of just the front brain, right? Mm -hmm. Out of just the logic side of the brain. And it connects both sides. Now now we're in, for some people, uncharted territory of, oh my God, uh, what's happening? I thought we were just doing the physical but now, and, and not in the way of like drop into the heart type of communication style, it's very direct and step here, arms up here, and now let's talk about what's going on in here. Hmm. Is this what's yeah. happening? It, it, it allows for space to have, okay, the, the place of, of feeling for 60 minutes is a timeless space, right? And you can forget like, oh my God, that went by so quick. Or it went by really slow because I was constantly thinking the whole time. But when you can get into that sweet spot of emotional ride the whole way, and then you can start to direct and see in your mind, this is my life, this is the direction, this is that. It, it becomes an it becomes an interesting experience for everyone involved. Like mm-hmm. I would always say, it's it's this is oh, this is a two way street. Like this doesn't work without you. Like none of this works if we're not open. It doesn't work.
0: Yeah, it's almost like you're defragmenting a computer. You know, when like your computer's like, "Hey, I need to go through and clean up a bunch of stuff." It's kind of what it yeah. is. So yeah, it's you're almost distracting the mo- the monkey brain by going like, "Hold this difficult pose in a hundred and ten degree room and just <laughs> and just sit there." And then your brain goes, yeah. "Okay, now what? Now what do I do?" Now what? And that, yeah. So it's yeah. like it's occupied one strata and now you've got all these other things you've got to clean up it's very interesting um yeah i i do plan on uh doing more yoga and doing more more breath work than i already am because i find it to be really beneficial for me um but i need to do more of it and get better at it. but it is a practice um i wanted to ask you about one thing we've been talking yeah. about a lot of deep shit which i love you gotta fucking. Talk. I apologize if we went too deep. No, 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 no. There's no such thing. You got all right. I'm telling everyone now. Grant was on Survivor. Oh yeah, yeah. We got what an We gotta we gotta talk about a little bit. I mean, I we will go Let's for another it. ten or fifteen minutes. But why did you do it, and what the hell was that like?
1: All right, so I had a friend who had done it. I I I only watched the first season of that show when I was a kid, right? And and then I, and I never watched it again. Um, it was in that that two year period we touched on earlier where i was figuring myself out and um, trying to get in touch and know myself a little better and she goes dude you you i think you do really well and and based on what you're telling me on where you are in your life you might get some really great life lessons out of this so let me let me put you into the, in touch with the casting director i know they've already gone through a lot of the interviews but Write a one-page story about your, your story. Send it in. And I did. I thought, ah, well, it can't hurt. If it, who, who cares?
0: If I make it, yeah, it but, great. Yeah, I mean, you're a former NFL player. I mean, it's an interesting story, you know.
1: And at the time, I had dreadlocks.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> so
1: <laughs> I played into this uh, archetype very well of, like, former NFL guy, total yogi, hippie.
0: Hippie now, guy, right? yeah, like, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I knew I had that, that would work in my favor and it did. And so I, I went through the whole interview process. They were really curious about how you go from the NFL to bar backing and bartending in a, you know, a strip club in Las Vegas. And that works really well. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I go like, yes, thank you for seeing it through. Like I, I did the work. But what, what my intention for doing it was always... I know. I know. I can work really hard, and I know where my mind goes in really tough physical situations, right? With with football and you know training camp, and but this is a different kind of tough, right?
0: Yeah, it's, discom- I see it's discomfort. discomfort, right? It's it's a real discomfort. Yeah, yeah.
1: I want to see how real it actually is. Is it real? And I learned right away um, how it how real it actually is. Um, <laughs> it's. Uh, so when you get there, it's 10 days of, it's like a Vipassana retreat, essentially. You have 10 days where you're sleeping in a tent and you're getting acclimated. And you have a house that you go to throughout the whole day where you're eating, you're being fed three meals a day. And it's silent, though. You're not allowed to talk to each other. And the crew is not allowed to talk to you, the camera crew, which they aren't even there yet. But... And so you're set up and you're, and you're looking at the people you're going to be with out in the jungle. And, um, you're making all sorts of judgments and all sorts of processes. And, and then after that 10 days of silence, you never knew how hard it was to be silent for 10 days. Cause I, I never did at least. I was like, i what do I do if I don't talk? <laughs> well, I have to be silent. So I use, I, people thought I was strange because I was meditating. I, I, I made my day around meditating morning, midday, evening. It's right. Like a, you're like just, a, a monk. A monk, essentially, yeah. and I got made fun of, and that was like, you know, that was the thing of like, oh, that's weird. But come when they you know you're they drop you off in the middle of the jungle and you're able to talk and you're able to, you know, meet it. Really is all that you're spending three, four days doing nothing most days. And the camera people there not they don't talk to you, you're not allowed to. you you can talk to them, but what became really clear as you know, one day turned into five, turned into ten. Day ten, eleven, and twelve hallucinations. Uh, your body's physically because you're, you're you're on like fifty to a hundred calories of food a day, max. Yeah, you're just max. eating like
0: like a handful of rice a day or beans or something, right?
1: Yeah, that's it. And so that's real. And the at about ten days after seeing things that weren't there, actually. I, my brain was going, that's definitely there, you know, like whether it was a tree bending 90 degrees, literally um, right in front of me or at night, have see people walking towards you like very specific, dressed in Victorian outfits with the umbrella and the hat and everything going and, and rubbing your eyes going like, is that the, what's happening? But the detox of everything coming out of you um, and the lack of food, the hallucinations, I was like, eh. so that ended. But then what really is interesting is again the only way to do this without going crazy is you turn inwards and most people don't and that's why you have people firing off and you know why it's, Fight, it's fighting with other people
0: and stuff and feuds yes, yes. and stuff
1: huge i found because of the background the, the med- yoga and meditation that's what i how i kept myself sane is in my mind i, I remember a voice saying like oh this is how you could actually drive yourself crazy by listening to me this voice talking to you right now <laughs> in your mind and so again, I would just structure the day around morning, midday, evening. And what's really interesting, your body doesn't know it's a game. It doesn't know that it's playing. It just thinks it's, it's dying. And so all of your energy goes to your main organs, right? Your heart, your stomach, and your brain, specifically your brain. And where you think you would be so loopy and clueless, I'd never uh, and, and rarely nowadays in my life been so clear
0: Yeah, you're not Um, spending any energy digesting your food, or it's all focused, you know, your body goes, okay, now we're going to burn fat and muscle, and we don't have to worry about, yeah, we're going to switch over to, you know, ketogenic system, and that's what you're going to live off of, and so, yeah, you become acutely aware, but you become acutely aware of everything, and that's overwhelming, I bet.
1: Yeah, yeah, it became, I I embraced it, I know a lot of people out there, because, they become very sluggish and very just um, you can feel the dark and depressed depression and then uh, the just like because you think there's an interesting book and, it, and the two um are parallel but but uh, by victor frankel uh, man's search for meaning and he was uh he was he was an auschwitz survivor and in his book he he talks about he was a psychologist um and he talks about the people that survived, what their mentality was like, and the people that didn't, what the downfall was, in great detail, he talks about it. And now the two are not comparable at all, right? One's life and death, one is a game, right? Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is, our bodies don't know any difference. So when I was reading that book, I'm going like, my body felt the exact same thing as far as, I mean, minus the fear of what was happening at, for him um, and a host of other things. Is your your future? There's a constant futurizing. The people that futurized in those camps were the ones that survived for the most part. Yeah, they were. You hold hold on to
0: hope. You hold on to some hope that there will be something different. There will be something better.
1: Something different. And and just like in this, the people that did the opposite, the same happened. They they perished essentially, right? And there were interesting parallels in just the psyche of like starving, no food. And the body doesn't know that it's not dying; it thinks it is. It thinks it's dying. Um, And where does the mind go? And so, yeah, it became a. um, For me, there were times of panic for sure, but there was more calm than there was. I mean, this overwhelming sense of just calm. Like when I first got back here to LA afterwards, I was like, everything was moving. You, you, because you have to imagine. There's no distractions either. There's no phone, car, sound of traffic. There's no, I'm bored, I'm going to listen to some music. No. Hours of it. Hundreds of hours of this, right? And your mind's not conditioned for that, but it gets used to it really quick. Mm -hmm. And I found like 20, 25, 30 days in, you start being acutely aware of things that you had no idea that you were even privy to. Like, for example, I knew uh, when the moon was going to be full based on where the tide was. I have no, how am I supposed to, I was was laughing at it because I'm like, oh, when I wake up in the morning, I hear that the tide is up close. So that must mean um, it's going to be a a full moon. Oh, the tide is way far out. It must mean it's going to be no moon.
0: That's, that's, that is ancient DNA, you know, you know, also you're made of water, right? That makes sense. You know, it it, it, it does, you know, we wonder how did these civilizations figure this stuff out without modern science? And, and you spend uh, you know 30 days uh, on a beach and you figure out yeah. pretty quick. Yeah, it all, they started to just put two and two together. And they went, oh, okay, the moon has something to do with the water and let's think about that a little bit. And then who knows, another yeah. 30, 30 days out there, you would have figured out, I don't know, navigation with the stars and all that sort of stuff. You, uh, know, you, you start right, to, the,
1: uh,
0: it's obvious. The it becomes obvious, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and at a certain point, too, um, you know, like 30 to the 35 days, you're, you're, you're no longer like... There, there's poisonous... Where we were Central America and Nicaragua, um, there was a plenty of poisonous animals out there, right? Like, I should be afraid. There's snakes that look like vines that one bite and you're done. Like, yeah. there's no, there's no, there's no um, antibody for um Anti-venom for it. Or, or scorpions. They're everywhere. Um, and I remember being by the, the place where we'd go pick up water and one just running across my hand and and not freaking out. Like first day there, I'd be little,
0: uh, freaking
1: yeah. out and just being like, oh, you become almost. Um, uh, there's this uh, I'm forgetting his name, but um, uh, he mentions he spent a lot of time. This doctor spent a lot of time in South America, and he said um, when he first arrived the natives would be like, "Hey, go watch what happens when you go try to walk in the jungle," and um, and he. Would go and attempt to walk through the jungle, and it, he's like, and when it, before I'd stepped in, there's all the magical sounds of the jungle—the birds, the, um, the the monkeys, and the stuff—and then the second that I step into the thick of the jungle, everything goes quiet. Silent, yeah. Because they silent—they know you're not a part or one with the environment. Yeah, and I you see probably
0: it's not stepping, you know, quietly and yeah. clunking around, and you know, tripping, and then you watch like the natives, and they just like fly through the jungle <sighs> like silent, yeah. Like they're and part they of it, you, like, become, you become part of it. You know, we're disconnected. We're, you, essentially, you were connecting back to the ancient yeah. DNA of being, a, being part of the nature that created us. And Man, we as people I, are completely disconnected. <laughs> a lot of us are completely disconnected from that. We live in boxes yeah. and we don't yeah. go out into nature and we are on computers all day. And, and that's a powerful, powerful thing that's within us. It's pretty cool you so, have that experience.
1: Yeah, it it turned out to be literally a life-changing experience because it not only did it become very clear about like, oh my God, all the excess and stuff that don't really need, but clear in the path of like, this is what I want to do. And this is what my life, like, let's discover the purpose, like, and that's when I started going down the rabbit hole of, um, you know, just ancient civilizations where we came from as human beings right like and you know going through ancient texts like emerald tablets um sumerian tablets like and just discovering okay what why did these people write this then all these years ago what is there truth to it because i mean people back in the ancients they weren't just they didn't have leisure time to just write
0: no they were doing it it because it meant something to them
1: it meant something, right?
0: And and the other thing too, Grant, that you that you that you're saying, and I'm sure you you agree with this, is like they are us. Yes. So there's no there's no difference. We talk about that. We talk about these people like they uh, they're us. They they yeah. are this. They're the same things we are. They're just yep came before us. So Man. it's with It's within us. You know, you're yeah. you're you in some way are related to that guy who tapped that out on the tablet. As am I, oh, man. You know, it's pretty powerful it's to think a, about that.
1: It's really, really powerful. So that's what the experience um, was like. I, I kind I of, I hope that I, that that covered
0: some yeah, st- stuff. Yeah, it absolutely it. But it was, did. I mean, and how long did you? How did you do on on it?
1: I think I can't remember when I finished, but I was there for thirty six days out of thirty nine. I got to tell you, like I know it doesn't sound long. But when you're counting the minutes and the hours, right, it might as well just be an attorney. And you really, what's interesting is you lose track of time. And 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 I don't have to, I mean, you already know this, right? Time, we have, we're so used to it being a linear thing. Like it's no. so linear, right?
0: No, it's not.
1: Right? Yeah. You take it away and you're like, well, what is that? It doesn't even exist, really. So when there's no sense of time and no sense of, of space really like you're, you enter into this really interesting place of where 36 days, yes, on paper, it's okay, I can wrap my mind around it. But when you're in it, you're like, I'm in a whole other, whole other
0: realm, Yeah, well, it's cycling. I mean, they didn't, they, you know, pe- the ancients, or pe- they understood time, they understood what it meant, but they didn't, they weren't, they just understood it as a cycle. Yeah. You know, because you could rely on the moon to be in a certain position in the sky during a certain time all the time. But it it, it led to other things, seasons and cycles and and harvests and that sort of thing, which was a much more naturalistic way to approach time than the very much regimented approach that we have now, which is like 11 a.m., meeting you know it's like meeting. <laughs> it's like eleven thirty. i gotta talk to grant on uh, zoom and it's you all know, right uh yeah well look man I, this has been awesome we've gone for about an hour and a half i know you've got other stuff to do so i i genuinely appreciate talking to you it's it was so much fun it's so amazing hearing your story and i know that you know I know that you're an earnest guy and, and you're a humble guy, but like what an amazing path and what an amazing journey wow. and what an amazing thing to share with people. So I'm very appreciative of you sharing, sharing this with me. And, and I hope that people who listen are too, because I mean, what an amazing story you have and, and what a great place you've reached. And it's, it's, it's good getting better. So congrats, man.
1: Well, I appreciate you saying that. I, I feel like we're all on, um, have a similar journey and that we're, we're just one day at a time taking this and my journey no different than yours and the next person's um because they all are unique experiences and and we can all have these kind of conversations which i i appreciate beyond because these are so important these conversations and 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 creating the space for people to be like oh i can actually talk about this and i can be open to this and i can be uh, have a balance of emotion
0: yeah i mean that that's one of the goals of of this podcast is to let people know that it's okay to to talk about this stuff. I think people don't even think that it's all right to, to really dive in. And, uh, and you should, I mean, this is the important meaty stuff, you know, this is the good stuff. This, Uh, yeah, yeah. this is good. And, 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 and for, for, for men specifically that feel like they have to be that
1: lone wolf and they have to get it done just knowing and hearing while other athletes now are coming out and starting to talk about it and other, you know, the guys in what are considered to be in masculine occupations, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Coming out and being like, no, man, I'm, I'm much more than just the athlete, right? Like I I have, the this has been my experience. It's always so fascinating. And so I love you that you're doing this show to peek behind the scenes of what's really going on. We have an idea. Yeah. But we never really know, right? Until you're in it.
0: No one knows. We're all winging it. We don't know what's going on. We're just trying to figure it out. <laughs> That's the best line right there. Yeah. I love it. We're winging it. And it's okay. It's okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And thank you. Of course, man. Thanks so much. And, uh, and, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll chat. We'll chat again in the future at some point. Yes. Yes. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Bye. I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Grant Matos. You will agree. I'm sure Grant is awesome, plain and simple. I love his story. I love his mindset and where he's at now it's really important to hear people's stories like Grant. Here's an individual who reached the absolute pinnacle of success and became a professional athlete, only to realize that it didn't give him what he needed. And you wonder why you see so many professional athletes who seemingly, quote-unquote, have it all, self-destructing, and you have to ask yourself, are they even happy playing the sport, or are they just playing a role? And how many of us are just playing a role? How many of us are living another person's dream, or doing something because we think that's what others expect of us, it's a powerful problem to confront, and the ultimate form of self-liberation, I think, to say, no, this isn't for me, I'm making my own path, and I feel that mindset that sets you up for success, and most importantly, a type of success that is measured only by you, no one else. Thanks for joining me. I invite you to find some moments of relaxation as best you can. Be good to yourself and be good to others. This just is...